Welcome to the Finishing Well podcast, where we encourage seasoned believers to find meaningful ways to impact their world for the kingdom of God. Whether you're 65 and up or not quite there yet, everyone can begin preparing to finish well. Now, here's your host, Randy Hess, with the founder of Finishing Well Ministries, Hal Habecker. I hope you're having a good day. This is Hal Habecker with Finishing Well Ministries. This is our normal podcast. I'm doing it myself today. Randy has my counterpart and companion with me in this almost three-year journey now is tied up in some other things. So I'm just going to take advantage of being by myself to share some thoughts with you. (laughs) Makes me think long before my time of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who had those fireside chats with people. So I just want to take this podcast and a second podcast to reflect with you. It's been eight years, a little bit over eight years since Finishing Well Ministries was launched, since God launched it, I'd say. And I want to reflect a little bit. Um, So listen back, sit back and listen to me, but engage with me. Think about how God has worked in my life as I share my thoughts And think about how God is working and will continue to work in your life and shape you. So eight years ago, I walked out of a pastorate where I'd been for 21, 21 and a half years, senior pastor. And God opened a door and led me to finishing well ministries. It was through the help of a number of friends. uh, And I could talk for a whole section about how God leads us. But he led us through a transition, Vicki and me, and we embarked on this new career, you might say. Well, it's not a really new career. I continue to be a pastor through Finishing Well Ministries and through a host of other ways, but uh, this is what God has called us to. And I want to tell you a couple convictions about that. Uh, first of all, you know, I'm a graduate of Dallas Seminary and that, that kind of pegs me a certain way. But let me tell you the best thing about Dallas Seminary did for me. It, it gave me a reference point in the Word of God. Uh, and I think we all should have that. You don't have to go to seminary to have that. that that's absolutely sure. But God allowed me, led me, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on, led me to DTS. And it gave me a biblical framework for all of life. And I've tried to follow that. You know, David says, oh, how I love your law, oh God. Uh, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then your way will be made prosperous and then you'll have success. Those are verses that have been etched in my heart as a kid growing up as a, a teenager. And of course, then I had the privilege of going to Dallas Seminary. Now, where does all that lead? I want to say that Finishing Well Ministries is the result of a deep biblical conviction that has erupted. Bruce Walkey, my Old Testament professor, used to talk about an eruption, an IR, not an eruption, but an eruption that comes out deep in the heart and exudes its way out in all of life. Now, I want to give you a couple examples of that. In my study here 
I have an office for my library here at the Hope Center. I have a Bible verse that is calligraphy. It's on my wall. It is Psalm 90, verse 12, where Moses prayed, so teach me to number my days that we would present to you, O God, a heart of wisdom. You know, Nancy Johnson, the calligrapher, made that art piece of art for me when I was like 27 years old. I, I think about that. I've thought about that verse, I don't want to say every day, literally, but maybe most days more than not. I've thought about that verse now for 40 years, 40, 40 plus years, 46 years. I, so teach me to number my days. Now, I've lived 46 years since that verse went up in my wall. And it emerges as a way of thinking, a theology of living, where I need God's wisdom every day for my life. Well, you know, I needed it when I was newly married. I knew, needed it when our family came along. I needed it in a ministry at First Baptist Church. I needed it everywhere. God, so teach me to number my days. Help me to think about what is happening. So you think about that kind of verse that hangs on my wall. I've thought about it every day. So now here I am at 74, and I'm thinking about it. God, so teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. How do I live at 74 so I become wise with respect to what God wants to do in my life? So that verse has become a biblical anchor stone, a foundation stone in my life for aging. And I want to think about that for a second with me. When would I stop praying that? Would you stop praying that when you're 80? Would you stop praying that when you're 90? Would you stop praying that when you're diagnosed with a disease? Would you stop praying with that, praying about that when you have challenges that overwhelm you? No, you would lean into that verse, I would think, every day of your life. So that's my dream. So teach me to number my days, oh God, that I would present you a heart of wisdom, the skill of living my life well every day of my life, whatever happens. And do it with great joy. I mean, isn't that what God wants out of our lives? Is that what Jesus was maybe thinking when he called the disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I will teach you an eternal perspective that you never dreamt about and how God wants to use you in all of life. And when would that ever stop? I don't think it would, would it? Biblical convictions. Let me give you two more. They're, they're very brief. Ephesians 2.10. After Ephesians 2.8.9, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. I'll think about that. God has created us for good works, which he ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. I learned from Psalm 139 that God ordains all of our years, the first one and the last one. So at what year would I not pray Ephesians 2.10? For I am his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. I should pray that at my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and my 50s and my 60s and my 70s. So here's this verse that I've understood as a kid. I, I, now I'm wrestling with it as an 
aging man at age 74. Now, just put your own age in there. I mean, you may be 10, 20 years older than me. Uh, you may be younger than me. But that, that conviction in Ephesians 2.10 is for you and me. God has good works, which he ordained long before I was ever born, I, I think. <laughs> That's what the verse says to me. God is working in my life. He has ordained things for us to personify at this age so that all of life would glorify God. All ages would glorify him. I think about that. First Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all the glory of God. At what year would that verse not apply? At what age would that verse not apply? Isn't that what we ought to be about doing all of our lives? There, so your whole mindset is focused. So the, the third verse, uh, the three, Psalm 90, Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians, uh, Philippians 3, Paul says, I've not attained it, verse 12, but I want to press on with more now than I ever had before. Verse 14, I want to press on for the prize of the upward call of God of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, I want to lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. Now you think back, Paul was writing this from a prison cell in Rome. He writes the prison epistles, of which Philippians is one. Here he is writing from Rome in his early 60s, I want to say, 62, 63, somewhere there. He's in jail. He's had a ministry before. He wants to get out of jail and continue it the rest of his life. He even said, I want to go out to Spain. He dreamt of what he could yet do for the kingdom of God and for the cause of Christ. So just fill in your own age here. Let's say you're 70. Let's, let's say you're 80. You know, whatever it is. What do you want to press on for that God has laid on your heart and what he has laid hold of you to do and to be in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s, in your 90s? Does that verse ever say, well, I don't need to do that anymore? And of course, all of my thinking with respect to aging is in the context of retirement. You know, when God ordains our lives, he was not thinking about the retirement culture which you can take a step back and kind of do whatever you want. There's a little phrase of a finance company here in Dallas. They have a show on every Saturday morning. I'm curious about it. Think about money in our retirement years, and they call retirement as your second childhood, but you have no parental supervision. You're free to do whatever you want. But, but as a Christian, that is so foreign to me. I can't do whatever I want. I have to do what God laid hold of me to do with joy and pleasure and fun and meaning and depth with good relationships, with good friends. That's what it's all about. Seeking the pleasures of God and what he wants for us in this world. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about. So this biblical framework has enveloped me. And I, as Bruce Walker used to say, erupt <laughs> with the sense of God in my life, in my mind. It has shaped me. I can't escape it. And I want to say, I don't think you can either, can you? 
none of us can. So the first thing I want to just share, I mean, this biblical conviction is more etched in my heart now than it's ever been. It started back in my mid-20s when Nancy Johnson, I don't know how that verse got in my head, but it, it, it has. It has been a part of my life ever since. Ephesians 2.10, Philippians 3. Now, when I talk about biblical convictions, I have to say another thing about biblical convictions that I never would have thought about 20 years ago. I just never did. So as I share this, <laughs> you may say, well, golly, Habecker, how, where have you been? Why didn't you ever pick that? I don't know. Well, why is it that it takes us so long sometimes to capture a sense of where God wants us to go, where he wants us to be? Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to reel off a list of biblical names and people and how I think about them and how they've changed, how God through them has changed my life. Uh, it has to do with our ages. Abram, Abraham, he was 75 years of age when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him a promise that through his seed, the world would be blessed. At 75, you know, God does a lot of original work in the latter years, doesn't he? He was 100 when Isaac was born. I mean, he had all those experiences as an old person. And he was old. You know, and God used him in a great way. I, I could have academically told you that Abraham, Abraham was 75 when he left the earth of the Chaldees. But the impact of his life as an older man is more recently etched in my mind. I'm going to stay with Joseph, uh, Genesis for a minute. I think of Joseph, who was 110. I watched him grow up through the pages of Scripture when he was born, when he was sold into Egypt, betrayed by his brothers, how God worked in his life and developing him, how he never let go of what God had called him to be and to do during those 13 years in jail. And then he rose to serve the Pharaoh of Egypt and all those years. And he knows that God is working in his life. And we see him at the end of his life at age 110. And he says to his people, his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandsons, his great-great-grandsons, four generations there, he says, God has a sense of hope for you and destiny. And I believe it that strongly that after you've been here 400 years, I want you to carry my body back to Israel and bear it, which he did in Shechem. And Je Joshua notes that in Joshua 24 at the end of the chapter. I think about that. How long God used Joseph, how many years he gave him. I think of Moses. <laughs> he leads the people out of Israel. How old was he when God called him to do it? He was 80. So I'm thinking here, what is God calling 80-year-olds to do today? What does he call them to be and to do at their age? I'm not talking about how hard you have to work, whether you work a 40-hour week, a 50-hour week, or, you know, whether you're retired, whether you, you don't work at all. What is your mission in life? What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? What was Moses doing with his life? He was on the back 40, tending sheep. And God appears to him and says, I have a purpose for you. It'll consume your life. And it did. And for 40 years, he led the children of Israel from 80 to 120. You talk about older people. You talk about Joshua. He was Moses' understudy, 40 years behind him. 
So he learned from Moses and he took over Israel's, took over uh, uh, Moses' leadership at age 80. And he lives for another 40 or uh, 30 years to 110. Do we meet him in Joshua at the end of the book, Joshua 23? You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was setting a standard for his family at the end of his life. From 80 to 110, when he died, he led the nation of Israel and he personified what it means to be a man of God. His family did it. Think of Job, the great character, the great wisdom man, all he had been through. Talk about his ages. He lived a long time through incredible hardships. I think of him when it comes to age. I think of Daniel living under I want to say it was 10 different Babylonian rulers. He probably was carried away into captivity when he was a teenager, 15, 16, 17, perhaps, with his friends. And God used him there all of his life in a foreign country. I think Daniel lived into his 90s. He writes at the end of the book, he's an old man, having lived through all these experiences. And I'm using examples of of men, but I, the women are all there as well. Wives and uh, judges, Deborah. I mean, they're, they're people, men and women who have value incredibly in, in their later years. And, you know, I never thought about that when I studied in seminary when I was 20. I never thought about that as I started pastoring. I never thought about that. I, I just... You know, I'm absorbed in people's lives and teaching the scriptures, but I, it never impacted me, the value of aging people. Then you get to the New Testament. I, I'm just impressed with these in, in new ways. Maybe even eight years after I start, we started finishing well ministries, there are people that I, I was not aware of. <laughs> you say, where were you? I, I don't know. God continues to teach me and grow me. John was in his 80s when he wrote the Gospel of John. He could have been in his early, his middle 70s. I don't know, but I want to say he was in his 80s. He wrote the Revelation of Jesus Christ when he was in his 90s in the Isle of Patmos. I, I think about that. The example of older people. I think about my mother who died at age 96 in some severe hardship. She personified trusting God in a deep, marked way into her later years. My dad did. He died at 52. He died of cancer. He trusted God. I think of Paul. I mentioned him earlier. You know, wanting to finish well, wanting to keep pressing on in his 60s at a Roman jail cell. I think of Peter, who followed Christ from the same length of age as perhaps Paul. He's in his 60s when he writes first and second of Peter, Peter, imminent years before his own death, where he was crucified upside down. He had a passion to serve Christ again and again and again and again. It did not quit. That's what I mean. And then the, the physician, Luke, you know, I was a part of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations for years of my life working with physicians and dentists. And Luke was always uh, important to me. Here's a physician who wrote over a third of the New Testament, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, two stories of Christ, one when he's here, one when he's from heaven. 
through the Holy Spirit. Well, what does he learn about Jesus? What does he learn about God? What does he learn about the Apostle Paul tracking with him through those missionary journeys? I want to say Luke was an aging physician. And he has so much to teach us. So I hope this makes sense. I want to wrap this one up. I, you know, I want you to hear how God has shaped my life. And I wish I had a chance to sit down with every person who listens to this and say, how is God shaping your life at your age, in your retirement years, as you're thinking about getting ready for retirement? As you watch your grandkids, how do you give them that vision to serve God with their lives? Is it desperate? Is it a desperate yearning in you? So teach me to number my days that I may present to you a heart of wisdom. Well, I hope this is encouraging to me. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back with a second podcast about some convictions that I have as I continue to serve Christ. And I hope they're contagious for you. I hope they help you. I hope they give you a reference point. And I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at al at finishingwellministries.org. Pray for Finishing Well Ministries. Pray for aging people in America. As this part of our population continues to grow, pray for churches to have a passion for their older people to encourage them. So we'll get to that in a little bit, and I'll continue my discussion. But thanks, and may God bless you and encourage you greatly. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Finishing Well podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's conversation to continue living out your God-given purpose. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find us at finishingwellministries.org slash podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finishing Well Ministries. We'll see you next time.